buckle up, sit back, because we're driving this episode of Drive Time Talks, an exclusive podcast for Toyota's policy drivers, the team members driving policy decisions that matter to Toyota. This is Donna Rudy from Government Affairs coming to you from Washington, D.C. Now on to our traffic report. Chris Reynolds, Toyota Chief Administrative Officer of Manufacturing and Corporate Resources, sits down with Regional Director Karen Johnston to talk about Toyota's continued commitment to build where we sell and where we are in the truck versus sedan market. A lot of great news for Toyota in Indiana today. Mm. How does today's announcement help reinforce our commitment to investment in the United States? Well, you know, one of our one of the guiding lights of our production philosophy in the United States is that we build here what we sell here. And the Indiana plant makes one of our most popular vehicles, the Highlander. So we are just uh, excited that through the additional investment that we've made here, we can make even more Highlanders to satisfy customer demand. As long as the customer demand pulls us, we're going to keep investing in the U.S. And this $1.3 billion investment with 550 new jobs is a, a down payment on that. It's not the end, it's the beginning. So clearly, Chris, part of the reason for this announcement today and the expansion is to increase Highlander capacity. Exactly right. Um, is this increase another sign that consumer preference is switching to the light truck market? Well, I think what it's a sign of is that we're catching up to consumer preference. Uh, we did not move as fast as we should have, I think we would all agree. But when we have a great product like the Highlander and customers like it, mm-hmm. it's our job basically to create production capacity to satisfy consumer demand. Now, I don't want to give the impression that we're out of the sedan business. We firmly believe that there is a strong market for sedans and we intend to invest in that and we have some great North American production facilities like Kentucky as well as uh, Mississippi that make great Toyota vehicles for that not shrinking base of customers who want a four-door vehicle uh, in the sedan construct. So we're not out of that market at all. In this Rush Hour segment, we recently activated some of our policy drivers to help out on a critical issue, one that helps save lives. Here to talk about preserving the 5.9 gigahertz spectrum is Hillary Kane, Group Manager of Technology and Innovation Policy. So Hillary, tell our listeners how this has become such an important issue. So a number of years ago, the Federal Communications Commission, which is the agency that oversees the allocation of radio spectrum in this country, set aside a small slice of spectrum for transportation safety. And since the spectrum was allocated, stakeholders have been working to develop and test and validate and now deploy technology in the U.S. market that uses the spectrum to help prevent crashes. Now, Others, such as the cable industry, have set their sights on our small slice and have been making a strong push for the Federal Communications Commission to repurpose the spectrum away from transportation safety and make it available to them for their own purposes. Unfortunately, the Federal Communications Commission just recently moved forward with a formal proposal to repurpose the spectrum. So what are we doing on this issue? So we're firing on all cylinders uh, to build opposition to the proposal and do all that we can to preserve the spectrum for transportation. And this included working with the chairman and ranking member of the Transportation and Infrastructure Committee in the House of Representatives to put together a letter from committee members expressing 
expressing significant concerns with the proposal. Now, we really needed a strong showing of committee members on this letter, and so we used many tools in our government affairs toolbox, including activating some of our policy drivers to help us in our efforts. So how did things turn out? I'm happy to report that at the end of the day, we were successful. We had nearly 40 members of Congress sign the letter, uh, showing really strong bipartisan opposition to the proposal and certainly giving the Federal Communications Commission plenty of reason to reconsider. Now heading down Pennsylvania Avenue, this time last year, we were facing the threat of Section 232 auto tariffs, wondering whether USMCA would pass Congress and preparing for U.S.-Japan trade negotiations. Although it was a gathering storm, it brought out the best in us. Lila Aridia Foss, Group Manager of International Public Policy, is here to tell us if the clouds have finally cleared. Well, Donna, the sun is beginning to peek through a bit now. On January 1st of this year, the U.S.-Japan trade agreement entered into force, and that was the deal that President Trump and Prime Minister Abe agreed to towards the end of last year. And that largely protects Japanese imports from the threat of auto tariffs. So very good news for us. Unfortunately, uh, European automakers may not be as fortunate because the threat of auto tariffs remains for them as the U.S. and EU start to begin their trade negotiations. So that is definitely something worth watching. In terms of the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement, you know, miraculously, it passed the U.S. Congress, which many people did not expect, and President Trump signed it on January 29th. So after a very long, windy path with many ups and downs and twists and turns, it finally got through. And the next step is for the Canadian Parliament to pass it, which should be fairly straightforward. We expect to see that by the end of March or early April. Of course, Mexico had already ratified the agreement last year. So when does USMCA officially replace NAFTA? So after it's finally ratified, it doesn't immediately become the law of the land. What then has to take place is all three countries have to change their domestic laws and rules to meet those rules that are actually in the agreement. And that can take several months. So we're not sure when we will actually see USMCA replace NAFTA as the the trade agreement we need to follow for North America, but that is another thing that we will certainly be watching closely. Thanks, Lila, and thank you, policy drivers, for getting us through the storm. On Constitution Avenue, we hear what Congressman Larry Bouchon has to say about the passage of USMCA. Let's go to Karen Johnston in Indiana. Thank you so much, Congressman Bouchon. With the recent passage of USMCA, what do you think some of the benefits will be for Indiana? Well, first of all, the certainty. You know, I mean, we had a lot of uncertainty for a long time with the trade deal and where that was going to go, what we were going to do, are we going to replace NAFTA? And clearly having the USMCA in place creates certainty. So that's one of the major things for Indiana. But also, you know, the NAFTA agreement didn't have as many worker protections in there uh, as we do in the new agreement where certain countries, uh, particularly Mexico, have to comply with certain labor standards and uh, salaries, particularly in the automobile space, which is important so that we can make sure that American workers aren't disadvantaged by the deal. 
Uh, two, it expanded into the tech space. You know, in, in the 1990s, we didn't have all this technology. So some of the technology trade issues have been uh, clarified in the new agreement. And then in the agricultural space, you know, particularly with Canada, we've opened up a little bit of the dairy market for American uh, dairy producers. And also some of the other ag-related things, both with Canada and Mexico, have been improved upon and opening marketplaces for American products. So those are kind of, in a nutshell, the things that will benefit Indiana. But I think the biggest thing is the certainty behind having a solid trade deal that is a, a big improvement over NAFTA. This state highway is headed for Indiana, where Regional Director Karen Johnston interviews Governor Holcomb on the plant's recent investment announcement. Well, thank you so much, Governor Holcomb, for being here. It's a great day for Hoosiers and Toyota. We announced a total investment of $1.3 billion, added 550 new jobs to complete the modernization of our plant here in Princeton, Indiana. What does this say about making Indiana a place for continued investment and job growth? Well, it says the world uh, to me. It's uh, one of those wow days. Uh, just to wrap your brain around the magnitude of just all the positive influences that will come out of a day like today. And to have Toyota, who's been offering incredible opportunities for Hoosiers for decades now, says it all. A company like Toyota offers a great career, is a great corporate citizen and partner. That's what makes Indiana such a great place to live and work and play and, and raise a family. Now let's take a quick detour. At Toyota, we focus on eliminating waste or muda. What about at home? Consider the ends of a loaf of bread. Some people are passionate about what to even call that sad slice of bread. Is it a heel? Is it a butt? A front or back? Bumper? What's its purpose? Does it protect the rest of the loaf from going stale? Is it a reject? Personally, it's my favorite part. But if it isn't yours, just flip it over. Spread PB&J and, oh yeah, don't forget to cut off the crust. Just don't dig your heels too much into it. And that's it for Drive Time Talks. Thanks, policy drivers, for staying engaged. Follow us on Twitter at Toyota Policy. This is Donna Rudy signing off from Washington. Until next time. <laughs>